made it all the way to the Holy City. And I'm so glad that you're here with us today as we wrap up our Lenten uh, services. Uh, it's going to be uh, just a good time. We're going to continue uh, through the songs of ascent. Uh, and specifically, we're going to wrap up with Psalm 131 tonight. Uh, it's a personal, uh, it's actually a personal psalm. Uh, of mine. So I'm really excited to share that with you uh, in just a little bit. Uh, so we're going to be here about 45 minutes uh, and, uh, and we're going to be doing the same things we've been doing, which is just it's a time of call and response, time of reflecting, and a time uh, of partnering with um, followers of the faith for thousands of years, uh, the words that they have used as they have made this pilgrimage on a yearly basis. And so I invite you all to stand with me tonight as we begin. And we begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And let's now read these words of response, alternating and together. O oh Lord, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. Will you meet me here again? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Will you meet me here again? And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Will you meet me here again?
hear the words of Psalm 131 and we'll sing the chorus of this song as our chorus for the psalm tonight. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Hope has a I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Oh Christ, be praised. I have victory. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Hope has a name. Your 
for not abandoning us, but thank you for being there every time we call on you for help. Give us the strength to put our hope not in the answers that we hope for when we pray, but for you. Put our hope in you and your word. Thank you, Lord, for your word that guides us and that guards us no matter what's happening around us. In your name, amen. You may have a seat. I did not I'm telling you up front, I did not pick which psalms uh, we did um, for Lenten services this year. Actually, Julie Lorenz uh, was the one that organized this year, give her credit. But I, I absolutely love the choice that Julie made to end our, our Lenten season on Psalm 131. Uh, it is the perfect completion to this journey. Uh, if you've been paying attention or if you look back at the psalms we've done, they're all so clearly traveling psalms. They're psalms of movement, psalms where, where you're not settled. Uh, and as you might have noticed as we, we read this one res responsibly, this is a psalm of arrival. In this psalm, you are where you want to be, which is the, that nourished child held in its mother's arms, we have now arrived in God's arms and we've received everything that God would have for us at the end of our journey. So that's what we're going to be reflecting on today. And as we do it, I want to share with you a personal note, which is this. I am a huge fan of uh, scripture memorization. It's not a thing that, that we talk about a lot. It's not a, it's not a cool spiritual discipline at all. Um, but I have found that memorizing Bible verses has been one of the most transformative and powerful tools in the Christian discipleship arsenal. Uh, I try to make it a point to always be working on a, a scripture, uh, something that I memorize, something that's, um, that's going to be helpful to me. And Psalm 131 uh, was the first psalm I ever voluntarily chose to memorize. Uh, and I'll tell you this, partly because, as you might have noticed, it's only three verses long. We read them all. Like we got the whole psalm tonight. That wasn't an excerpt. That was it. It's, it's Psalm 131, verses 1, 2, and 3. And yet in those three verses, it packs such a punch. Uh, it's almost a deceptively simple psalm because it is so short, so brief, uh, that you can just gloss right over it. If you're on one of those reading plans uh, and you're reading through psalms, you, you might just not even notice you read this one because you can read it in about 15 seconds. Uh, and you can mentally recite it the same, uh, and yet it has such powerful truth in it. And so if you are someone that, that is at all thinking that God is asking you to take a next step of ownership of your faith and your discipleship, uh, and, and you think maybe memorizing a Bible verse or a passage would be a, a place that you want to go next, Psalm 131 would be a great place to start. And let me now spend the, the my last eight minutes telling you why. That in just 
three verses, it, it runs the whole gamut of law and gospel, which if you, if you at all have been raised in Lutheran circles, you know how much Lutherans love law and gospel, uh, the, that we think the whole story of creation and redemption is a story of law and gospel. We think the Bible uh, is this paradigm of law and gospel. And right here in three verses, you have the fullness of law and gospel. Uh, and it's so, um, so helpful in my own life and so helpful in yours. Uh, and so I think it's up here behind me. It's about to be, there we go. Um, so we've got the first two verses up here behind me. I'd love for you to reflect on these as I, as I talk about it. And so I want to start with verse 1. Verse 1 is this law portion of the verse. It's recognizing that there is a wrong way to go about life. Uh, Derek Kidner, who's a great uh, scholar on Psalms specifically, he, he says verse 1 calls out, uh, you guys know the famous novel Pride and Prejudice. This is the psalm of pride and presumption as Derek Kidner puts it. That the first half of verse one talks about the, the error of pride, that we should not be pride or haughty. Um, but that then the second part talks about presumption, this idea that, that we concern ourselves with matters that are beyond uh, our, our scope or our purview. Uh, and, and for me, this is such a helpful verse, frankly, because it kind of slaps me in the face. I don't know about you. That as, as an American citizen, all things are under the scope of my concern, right? There is nothing that is too weighty for me or nothing that I shouldn't wade into. We want to talk about international politics. I should have an opinion on international politics. We want to talk about science. Well, I've been Googling medical stuff lately, so I, I know a lot. There's this offensiveness to the psalm, this idea that there might be matters that are too important for me. That there are things out there that, that I should, in humility say, you know what, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I don't have any expertise on that. And, and maybe before I second guess presidents and senators and, uh, or even just the, the school board of my local school district, maybe there's a point where I just need to go, you know what, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's just something I'm not called to concern myself, that that's a matter that is too great or too wonderful for me. It's offensive, too, because uh, one of the things that we've done so much is that we, we've softened God just kind of in, in American cultural circles that, that we love to talk about God in this very loving and intimate way. And, and that is true, that God made a choice through Jesus to become incarnate, to walk with us so that we could actually know him deeply and intimately. But at the same time, God the Father is still remote, is still transcendent. And when Job, uh, that, that great patriarch in the Bible, when, when he went through hardship and tough times and he asked God, God, why? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing this to happen? If you don't remember, God's answer to Job was, who are you to question me? You don't know, Job. You don't know uh, what's going on. I'm the one that set the corners of the earth. I'm the one that created everything. You don't know. And the psalm starts with this humbling reminder that the proper posture for us with God, as people who have walked the many miles of the songs of ascent, who have made the pilgrimage a long way, the posture is, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. And I'll tell you this, when I first memorized this psalm 10 years ago, I memorized it partly because these words felt so offensive. Partly because I could tell just in the way I graded against them that there was probably something important for me to learn from this. And after 10 years of having this psalm readily at my lips because I've memorized it, after 10 years, I see this verse as a relief. 
as a pastor who's been charged with leading God's people through all the messiness and the brokenness of life, I am so grateful to be able to say, you know what? I don't concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. I am more content than ever to stay in my lane, to let God be God, to let the people around me that have been tasked vocationally with leading the things they're called to lead as I've been tasked vocationally with leading my family or my church or my neighborhood, it's been a relief to a burden to be able to say, you know what, that's beyond my ken. That's outside of my scope. I, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. See, this is the posture of just this opening verse of the song, this corrective law spirit. But then verse two is the great pivot, this, this huge pendulum swing, just in, in two verses, it explains why. Why we can do that. Why I don't have to have a proud heart or haughty eyes or, or, or the presumption to concern myself with great matters. It's all in verse 2. Because I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. See, the picture is of, is of a child who is so confident in the love and safety of its parent, that it no longer needs what it used to need. See, there's a maturity picture here. You see, the, the, the idea, the concept here is that babies for a long time, they need their mother's milk. It's the only thing they can eat, in fact. But there comes the point where the baby still cuddles with its mom, but not because it needs that same infant formula anymore. It's moved on, it's matured past that. Now it's just with its mother, not for food, but just for comfort and closeness and intimacy. See, the picture is of a child weaned. And like a weaned child, we are content. I'm not desperately thirsty. I'm not turning to God because I, I have to have this thing from him. I'm turning to God out of relationship out of trust, out of comfort. You see, and what I see in that is I think that when we are younger, when we are more immature in our journey, in our relationship with God, we're trying to be proud and haughty. We're trying to control the things around us. But the picture here is that we can relinquish that control. We can lay down the pride and the haughtiness, this need to have everything certain and, and figured out and safe because we are with the one who makes us safe. And we are with him, not desperately or unknowingly like a baby that, that knows it loves its mother but doesn't know really who their mother is. We're, we're with God in this more mature way that we know full well who he is. We choose to cuddle with him now. We choose to turn to him with all of our trust, all of our fears, all of our concerns. We, we, we make that choice as a weaned child, not as a baby just desperate for whatever their mother has to give to them. And, and there's this amazing picture of God himself, transcendent and father and, and, and one that we can trust as he is, that when he came to earth as Jesus, that there's this amazing moment where Jesus is reaching out and he is offering comfort to those who need it most. And specifically, he bumps into a Samaritan woman at a well, a woman who has never felt the safety of God's arms, never felt that unconditional loving acceptance of a parent, a woman who was ostracized from society and ostracized from religion, and Jesus offered her that nurture and that comfort. And in that moment, in this ironic twist, his disciples come back to him. 
And they say, Jesus, Rabbi, you've been talking with this unclean Samaritan woman for so long. You must be hungry. You must be something that you need. And they try to meet Jesus' needs. And Jesus says this amazing quote in John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus says, my food is to do the work of God who sent me. The disciples had this immature understanding of what food was, what nourishment was, what mother's milk was. And Jesus was painting a picture of what it looks like to move beyond that. That the food is not this desperate filling of our needs. The food that we have when we, like a weaned child, turn to God in relationship and intimacy and comfort. Our food comes when we do the work of him who sends us. When we don't try to control, we don't try to presume what we should or should not know, but in full loving trust of God, our nourishment is no longer mother's milk. Our nourishment is no longer the things that we need as a baby. Our nourishment comes when we know that we are with God himself, that he is with us, and that we are actively doing the work that he would call us to do. This is the message of Psalm 131. This is the message with which we close out our Lenten pilgrimage. That your God is with you. He is as close as a parent hugging their child to them. And we ourselves are nourished fully by him inasmuch as we trust him. And we set our eyes and hands to the tasks that he's put before us to do. And that's all we're called to do. No more, no less. Amen. So now, uh, as we enter into a time of prayer and reflection, I invite you to pray along with me responsively. I'll say, Lord, in your mercy, and you'll say, hear our prayer. And then I'm going to give you some time to reflect on what God uh, is and might be teaching you as you find comfort and intimacy in his arms. So we pray, merciful and everlasting God, you did not spare your only son, but you delivered him up for us all to bear our sins on the cross. And so grant that our hearts may be so fixed with steadfast faith that we fear not the power of sin, death, or the devil. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, as we come to the end of this Lenten pilgrimage, I pray that you would have helped us pick up the things we need along the journey. That we would have been shaped molded, that there would have been things that we recognized we could leave behind and good things that you've laid before us to pick up. And so Lord, as we make this journey, I pray that you would be with us and help us feel and know that you are with us every step in the way. Lord, in your mercy. And Lord God, as we arrive in Jerusalem, let us know that your presence is here that you have gone before us, that you have been with us, that you trail behind us, that there is no part of this journey that you were not involved in. And Lord, as we find you here, may we find all of the nourishment that comes from you. May we find the intimacy, the trust, the safety, the purpose, and the vision that you would have for us by being in your presence and in your holy place. Lord, in your mercy, And Lord, as we turn our eyes to Holy Week that is before us, as we watch your son make the journey from Palm Sunday in celebration and praise all the way to Good Friday 
death on the cross, and ultimately an Easter where you conquer death for all time in your glorious resurrection. Lord, help us to see our own life in your story. Help us to know that we too can conquer death because you have gone before us and that our journey will end in the same glorious, miraculous resurrection as that of your son on Easter Sunday. We pray this, Lord, in your mercy. And so, O God, from whom come all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works, we pray that you would give to us, your servants, that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments, and also that we may, being delivered and defended from the fear of our enemies, that we may live in peace and quietness through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Lord, in your mercy. And now as we have prayed together, I invite you to reflect individually on these questions. And I invite you to talk with God, to let this be a moment of dialogue between you and him, not just a one-way conversation, but to be open to what he might be prompting in your own life. And so I invite you first to reflect now on what does this hope that we have sung about tonight, what does this hope mean for you personally? of that hope that we have through our Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you to share with him now in a personal and an honest way, what are the various prides and presumptions that you have tempted to cling to for yourself in, in the place of trusting in him and the hope that he would willingly and joyously bring to you?
having let go of those things that we cling to for ourselves, I invite you now to sit and connect with God over what nourishment he has already provided you and what is it that he might be nourishing with you next. And so this last one can be both a request and a praise. If there is something that you have seen God pouring into you that has gotten you through a hard season, then give him praise and thanks for it. If you are feeling empty and dry, then this is the time to ask God to give you what you need in this upcoming season in your next days and weeks. we seal up this time of reflection with this prayer. Lord God, let now these words of our hearts be heard so clearly and tenderly by you. Lord, whatever we've shared, whatever we've reflected on tonight, have your power in it. Receive our confessions and our repentance. Receive our desperate cries and needs. Receive our praise and thanks for all the ways that you have nourished and brought us along this long journey. And Lord, where our words or our thoughts fall short, where, where even this prayer is difficult, I pray that your Holy Spirit would intercede for us with your own groans. And that where we don't know how to speak for ourselves, you yourself will speak for us because you see to the depths of our hearts and you know what we need even before we do or even before we have words to ask it. And Lord, like a good, gracious, loving parent, you are there to nourish us, to bless us before we could even ask. And so we submit all of these requests, these prayers, these thoughts to you, trusting you to be mighty and powerful and to bring us evermore on this journey towards you and ultimately to the eternal life that you have promised for each and every one of us who trust in your name. We pray all of this trusting in you. Amen. And I invite you all to stand with me and let's pray together the words that our God gave us in his goodness and mercy so that we could always come before him with confidence and peace. We pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 
couple of things before we head downstairs and continue our service and fellowship with dessert. Uh, this is our last Lenten service, so nothing here um, in the sanctuary next Wednesday, but you are all invited to be a part of our Holy Week experience uh, that uh, opens next Wednesday or Thursday? Wednesday. So next Wednesday, our Holy Week experience is running Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, and if you have not been a part of it, it is truly just a, a thing unlike any other in our, in our time in our world right now. A time to just get distance, get quiet, walk in the footsteps of our Lord the last few hours of his life uh, and really connect with God in, in a really deep and powerful way that is not often uh, done. And so we invite you to be a part of that uh, as well as to come back for all of our Holy Week services. We'll have Good Friday uh, service here in the sanctuary and then we will have uh, Easter Sunday service starting on Saturday uh, as well as multiple Easter services on Sunday we would like for you to be at. Um, and then before all of that, Palm Sunday is this weekend, and you're invited to come back as we wrap up our series uh, on Operation 611. We'll be talking about how on Palm Sunday, Jesus traded in the swords uh, for a, a, a better weapon uh, than what we have. Uh, if you brought an offering, uh, you're invited to leave that uh, with an usher on the way out, or you can also take a picture of the QR code uh, if you'd like to make an offering digitally through your phone. Uh, but for now, let me send you out and downstairs uh, to receive some dessert. May our Lord bless you and keep you. May our Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May our Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his everlasting peace. Amen. Now depart in peace and serve the Lord. <laughs>